got a creed that we do here every week at Shoreline City. It gives you a snapshot of what we believe, but also the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We like to say it every week to remind ourselves about who God says we are. So on the count of three, I want us all to say it together. Ready? One, two, three. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. I cannot lose it. In Christ, I am forgiven and made brand new. I live with passion and purpose. I am empowered by the Spirit to be the church in the world and to live for the glory of God. Hey, today's going to be a great day. We're one church, five locations, and we're all together today. So let's make sure we give it up for Mockingbird Station and North Dallas and Oak Cliff and White Rock and Antigua. I'm glad we all get to be together today. I'm excited about what God has on the horizon for each of us. We have been in 14 days of prayer and fasting, and today it ends. It's over. I'm getting a cookie. I haven't had a cookie in 14 days. This has been terrible. Good for my soul. Terrible for my flesh. <laughs> now, those of you who have not done any fasting at all, you don't care what we're talking about because you've just been feeding your face this whole time. Uh, but no, it's, it's been really, really good. Uh, I, I do hope uh, that you felt like God has, has spoken some things to your heart and pushed you forward. Uh, I know I do feel that in, in my own heart and life. Honestly, even just going through the scriptures together, you know, the reading plan that we had as a church every day, those prayers and, and the scriptures that we we're reading over, I just really, uh, I felt like the word of God was, was jumping off the page at me. And if you didn't feel that, that's okay. You still just keep grinding it out. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep on just being faithful. And you watch how God's going to continue to speak to your heart and, again, shape you and I into, into the people he destined for us to be. Uh, but, but it ends today, so I'm going to get some wings today, too. I'm going to get, I haven't had any meat. I'm going, going to wing stop. So go ahead and get those lemon pepper wings ready. Watching that game tonight, uh, it's going to be good. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. We had a worship night on Thursday at our, at our White Rock campus. It was one of the best things we've ever had the opportunity to do. If you weren't able uh, to, to be with us, uh, we'll do it again. Uh, I don't know where we'll put everyone because this one was standing room only, so we'll figure it out. Maybe God will bless us with a brand new building at our White Rock campus by the next time uh, we do that. Uh, but but I, I, I'd love to see all that God has been doing in our church family and pushing us forward. And if you're, if you're brand new to this whole Jesus thing, just so you know, uh, none of us start off like graduating and knowing everything. I, I still don't know everything. Matter of fact, I feel like I know nothing a lot of times, but I'm just excited to be on the journey. So let's all keep moving forward together. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Here's a verse of scripture we've been memorizing. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come. What we're going to talk about today, honestly, is, is not going to be able to be realized and fleshed out unless you're in the context of community. What we're talking about today really, really needs to be worked out with, with the people on your right and on your left, and the people sitting in front of you and behind you, whether you're in one of our lobbies at our White Rock campus or maybe online or at any of our locations, you, you, you got to understand that, that you and I are able to grow uh, better 
when we're in a healthy, uh, Christ-centered community. That's why we got our connect groups on the horizon that we're thrilled about, that we're going to be launching in just a couple of weeks. And I, I want to put a little, uh, I want to tap some hearts here for just a second. And those of you who have gone through growth track and you've been on a serving team for at least three months, we're going to ask that you prayerfully consider uh, hosting a connect group. We want you uh, to be willing uh, to say, hey, I'll, I'll jump on this journey. And it can be any type of group. You want to do an activity group, you can. You want to study a book of the Bible, uh, you can. Unless it's Revelation and you start saying crazy stuff, then we won't have you be a connect group leader. But we'll be right there by your side to help you along the journey, give you some curriculum if you need it. Uh, but we really want to make sure everyone in our church uh, has some people that they're doing life with, me included. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm smoking what I'm selling here, okay? So I'm, I'm going to be in a group, a part of a group, and I want all of us to do this together. Uh, but the title of today's message is The Spirit of the Lord. Uh, very, very simple. The Spirit of the Lord. Uh, the year was around uh, 160 A.D. There lived an 86-year-old man by the name of Polycarp. Some of you may have heard of him. He was a bishop of the church at Smyrna, uh, uh, a city in Asian Minor. Uh, for those of you who, who are history buffs, you'll know that, that this city, Smyrna, is actually modern-day Izmir, Turkey. Uh, it was founded by the Greeks. It was later taken over by the Romans. It was rebuilt uh, years later by Alexander the Great. It's still a city today. But back in this day, this 86-year-old Polycarp, he may have been older, we're not sure, but we do believe he was the last surviving person to have known one of the original 12 apostles. He was discipled by John. Not John the Baptist. John the Baptist had already died, but John the apostle. Polycarp sat under his tutelage, so he carried a lot of weight in the early church. He, his voice was incredibly influential, but on this particular day, this 86-year-old man is about to give his life for Christ. He's about to become a martyr. The crowd had called for his execution, and, and some Roman soldiers were sent to find Polycarp after a little bit of of cat and mouse, uh, they ended up finding him, and they were surprised to find out he was 86 years old. I guess they thought he was going to be a very handsome 44-year-old tall black man. <laughs> but he wasn't. <laughs> He's 86 years old, and, and he wasn't intimidating. He was kind. As a matter of fact, for these, these individuals that came to to not only arrest him, but bring him to his place of execution, Polycarp had a meal prepared for them. And he asked if he, could, if he could pray for just a couple of hours before he took his final steps towards death. The soldiers were taken aback by this. and They, they grab this 86-year-old man, put him on a donkey, and bring him to the crowd that's been calling for his execution. Polycarp gets there, and he's... He's in front of the officials of the day. And the officials, they, they say these words. They say, uh, have respect for your old age. Swear, swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent is what they say. And, and say, down with the atheists. Why do they say down with the atheists? Because in that day, Christians were believed to be the atheists. Because the Christians didn't believe in the Roman gods. So they were considered 
you, you got to turn. He's saying, turn in this moment. And, uh, and as he's yelling this at Polycarp, Polycarp looks up. And he says, 86 years I have served him. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? A few moments later, he's burned alive. Put him on these stakes and they light the fire. This is the history that you and I are standing on as followers of Jesus. This is the legacy. I was asking myself the question, would I recant my faith in this moment? If I'm being faced with execution, if I'm being faced with being burned alive, would I, would I say, yeah, yeah, mm, Jesus isn't who he says he is. I, I, don't, I don't believe in him anymore. Yeah, yeah, just, if, if you're going to spare my life, then just go ahead and, and I'll, I'll do what you want me to do and I'll say what you want me to say. I don't have time right now. You can look at it later this week to, to find the prayer that Polycarp prays in this moment when he's being burned alive and he's crying out to God and he's loving on God and he's reminding himself and everybody else around him who God is and who Jesus is and the power of the Holy Spirit that he has on him in this moment and he stands in the most difficult of situations. This is not the type of Christianity that's being peddled today. The type of Christianity that's being talked about today is if you get offended by somebody you leave right the type of christianity is being talked about today if somebody takes your seat then you got to look at them sideways if somebody cuts you off then you give them a finger if somebody is not nice to you then you got to turn your back on them but this type of christianity that polycarp was living is a type that says even if you try to kill me you can't stop me and you can't stop the cause of jesus christ that's the type of faith you and i have actually running through our veins. Would I stand? Would you stand? This prayer, is, this moment brings to mind 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. You are blessed for the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests on you. Some of y'all are going to really like me today because I got a bunch of verses that we're going to go through. And I got opportunities for tons of notes. So those of you who like taking notes, you're going to like today. Those of you who cannot wait to go to Breadwinners, you are, you're going to hate this. <laughs> but I am committed to us being a church family that does not live on the surface but is willing to, to push beyond what is comfortable and be the type of followers of Jesus that God is calling us to be. You can't have this type of faith. You can't live with this type of strength unless you and I are empowered by the Spirit. We, said it, uh, we say it in our creed every week, empowered by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. What, what does that mean? Uh, real simply, it, it means you're a Tesla. Okay. Okay. It means you're a Tesla. Okay. And uh, 
And the Tesla, for those of you who know, I'm not talking about the new Tesla that came out and you broke the window and it didn't work right. I'm, I'm talking about the Tesla that works. <laughs> and Teslas, as you know, are, are, are battery-powered cars, okay? So these, these cars, they, they, they got to get a charge. They got to get plugged in. And when they get plugged in, they can go for a while. But they've got to get plugged back in so they can keep on moving forward. It's not like a hybrid. A hybrid can just keep going and going and going. It never needs to be plugged in. It kind of recharges itself. But, but that's not what you are. You can't recharge yourself. You and I got to be plugged into a source. You and I have to be plugged in to some power. And what you and I need to understand is that is what a life surrendered to Jesus looks like. It's you and I plugging into the power. Why do I come to church? I'm, I'm plugging into the power. But why do I wake up at 6 o'clock on Monday morning and open up my Bible. I'm plugging in to the power. Why do I worship in my car while I'm on my way to the office? Because I'm plugging in to some power. Why in the world am I forgiving? I'm plugging in to some power. Why in the world am I willing to fast and pray? I'm plugging in to some power. It's not that the spirit leaks. It's that you and I have this flesh that tries to cloud and, 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 and kill and, and crush what God is doing in us. But when you and I plug into the power of the spirit, it's like we get a new charge again and we can go and be the husbands and the wives and the sons and the daughters that God is calling us to be I, I, I got to get a charge I, I, I've got I've got to plug into to another source because because Netflix is not my source and Disney Plus is not my source and my boyfriend and my girlfriend and my kids and my job, those aren't my source. My source comes from something that is eternal and forever. In, in Luke, the gospel of Luke, the spirit is prominent from the very start, okay? Uh, I, I'm going to walk through a number of verses here. Just follow along with me. We'll put them all on the screen for you at all, at all of our locations. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the Spirit, the baby, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness we're already seeing here that the holy spirit does the impossible that the holy spirit fills that the holy spirit baptizes that the holy spirit leads and you see here in luke chapter 4 verse 18 the holy spirit anoints the spirit of the lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free this is just in the first four chapters first four chapters of the book of luke you see holy 
Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I wish I had time to walk through the whole Bible. I could give you verse after verse after verse after verse of how the Holy Spirit is our guarantee and the Holy Spirit seals and the Holy Spirit marks and all these amazing things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And I'm trying to let you know today that you and I can't be who God has called us to be as followers of Jesus without the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Now, the problem is, you start talking about the Holy Spirit, man, things got wonky for a while. Some of us have been to some churches, or you saw a TV show, or a 2020, or a documentary, or something on Netflix, and you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope, not interested. As people started saying things and doing things that weren't scriptural, started saying and doing things weren't biblical, saying and doing things that were based on uh, feeling and emotion, some people have really been abused and hurt, but my friends, I'm trying to let you know that, that the God that we serve is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's, what, that's the God that we serve, and you and I see over and over and over in Scripture that you and I cannot separate our walk with God. Uh, uh, we, we can't separate from the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't even be saved if the Holy Spirit is not working in your life. So what we're going to do today, what we're going to do. I'm going to give you three things. This is what it looks like. And I don't ever do three things, okay? I, 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 don't, I don't tend not to preach like that. But, but I'm going to give you three things. That the Holy, that this is how you know the Holy Spirit is working in a life, in a community, in a family. Three things. Jesus is exalted. Character is formed. And gifts are released. Jesus is exalted. Character is formed. And gifts are released. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse verse number 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the, what's the word? Holy Spirit. You can't even say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, you can say it out of your mouth. I'm talking about saying it from your heart. You cannot say with authenticity, Jesus is Lord, unless the Holy Spirit has empowered and work is working on the inside of your life. So how do you know that, that the Holy Spirit is working? Jesus is being lifted up. Jesus is being exalted. Jesus is being magnified. Not a person, but Jesus. Not, not, not a preacher, but Jesus. Not a name, but Jesus. Not, not some organization, but Jesus is being lifted up. How do you know that, 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 that the Holy Spirit is working in a community, in a person? Jesus Christ is being lifted up. I got another verse for you, John chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus here is telling us that the Holy Spirit is going to remind you about me. He's going to remind you about my words. He's going to remind you about my truth. He's going to remind you about my direction. He's going to remind you about the, the place I've been trying to take you, what I'm trying to do in your life. The Holy Spirit is going to keep reminding you about Jesus, about Jesus, about Jesus, about Jesus. If you're not being a binder about Jesus, then it's not the work of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to understand that every single time the Spirit Spirit is working. Christ is exalted. It's not a bunch of gifts that are exalted. Jesus is exalted. It's not a whole bunch of other things that are exalted. Jesus is exalted. 
So that's first and foremost. I got to get to these other ones. They're a little bit, they're a little bit maybe harder to, to wrap our brains around. Not only is Jesus exalted, but character is formed. Character is formed. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the... It's all over the place, y'all. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the, the Spirit. You see... You see how the Bible is not afraid of this. Some of you maybe have been raised in denominations where it's like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture. But that's not how it is. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures are the thing that informs us about who God is, who we are in relationship to God, and how that relationship can be made right. The Scriptures are the infallible Word of God. The Scriptures are inspired, breathed by God. The Scriptures are God's Word to all of us, no doubt about that. But my friends, we cannot kick the Holy Spirit out and try to replace the Holy Spirit with Scripture because the Holy Spirit is actually using Scripture to point all of us to Jesus. We need the work of the Spirit in our lives if we're going to become who God is calling us to be. But here we read about love and joy and peace and patience and all these things. And I like this because the Holy Spirit is working to form our character. Why? Because character is our currency in a skeptical world. Character is our currency. Uh, let, me make it, let me make it clear to all of us. If, if you are saying you're a follower of Jesus, but you're hateful to people, then we don't care what you're, what you're saying about being a follower of Jesus because your word, your, your actions are shouting so loud, we can't hear what you're saying. If you're a guy and you're sleeping with girl after girl after girl after girl after girl, and you're treating women as if they are property, or their projects, or they're, they're, they're to be conquered, and then you're trying to raise your hand saying, hey, I'm called to the ministry. I'm letting you know I appreciate you being called to the ministry, but your character is totally trumping everything else you're saying. You are, you are hindering what God is trying to do in your life because in this world, character is our currency. The world, come on, y'all with me on this. I, I'm not saying anything crazy. You know when you have somebody walk up to you like, oh, I love Jesus, but they're, but they're hateful to their kids or they're hateful to their spouse or they're hateful to everybody else around me. Like, I don't want that Jesus. If that's what following Jesus looks like, I'm not interested. Our character is our currency, our willingness to lay down our lives for others. That's our currency. The, the reality is you, your, your character and my character is not revealed based on the people that can do something for us and how we treat them. It's revealed by the individuals that can't do a thing for us, the people that we want to walk past, the people that society wants to marginalize. How we treat them is a real testament to our character because they can do nothing for us. We can only do something for them. This is the testament of our character and this is our currency in a world that's wondering is God even real is he even real so for for each and every one of us 
I need us to understand that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his work is trying to form us. Trying to form your character. Trying to shape your character. Look at this verse. Look at this verse in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse number 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's the truth. You can't microwave character development. Can't do it. You can't have someone lay hands on you and you get character development. Pray for me that I get character. No, no, I'll pray for you. But whenever I lay my hands on you for character development, that means you might have a trial coming your way. Okay, it's not like character development. It just happens, and I'm sitting in my room all by myself. And yes, God does a work there. It's beautiful. But you want to know, is that work working? You want to know, is God actually changing some things? you got to be around some people, and you have to have somebody tick you off. Somebody has to offend you in order for you to know, did I grow? And they offend you. You're like, girl, you oh, man, I... You got to go back to your prayer closet. <laughs> Let God work on you some more. Then he puts you in the context of community once again. And he says, hey, hey, it's, it's time. It's time for me to keep on shaping your heart. Now I'm going to put you back with your husband. I'm going to put you back with your spouse. Put you back with your kids. Man, kids, you want to you grow. Some of y'all, you haven't had kids yet. You, you've never grown. My character is being shaped every single day of my life. <laughs> and this is one of those things, that the, the, this, this character formation, this is a work of the spirit all the way to you and I transition to heaven. You don't graduate from this. It's not like you become a preacher and all of a sudden you're like, you're done or you get ordained or, or all of a sudden you become a, a connect group leader. It's like, hey, now you're all done. No, my friends, we're all on this journey still. And the Lord keeps going, mm, I like you a lot. As a matter of fact, I love you a ton. But you got to work on this. And whenever you get to the place where you start thinking you don't have anything to work on, just so, just so you know, it's time for him to work on your pride. So you always got something. And as a quick aside, pride is actually maybe the most deadly of sins. Because that's when you and I say, God, I don't need you. And that's when God resists you. But that's a whole other talk for another time. You can't microwave character development. Bible school students, you can't microwave character development. Uh-uh. Dads, moms, students, you can't microwave character develop. You just got to go through the journey. Yeah. You got to be good for the grind. You got to be good for like, oh, man, this hurts. But, God, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I don't like this about me. But, God, you still love me? Wow, your grace is amazing. I still trust you. Yeah. And keep allowing his grace to mold us and shape us. Not only is Jesus exalted and character is formed, but gifts are released. I've got some more verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1, 4, and 7 through 11. It's a lot of verses, but i got to read them all. Give some context. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant about these. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good, not just for the individual good. It's for the common good. To one, there's given the spirit, through the spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 4. I got some more verses for you here, okay? And then I'm just about done. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Don't avoid them. Eagerly desire them, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. You ever been next to somebody? You heard him praying in tongues, you're like. They're not talking to you. You're talking to God. You're like, okay, well, I don't know what they You're trying to figure out, okay, can I do that? Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. In our day and age, we have been enamored by gifts, and we think the gifts are the target. They're not the target. They're the tool. The gifts are the tool. The gifts are, are, are these tools that God uses so that he can point people to Jesus. He does not use the gifts because he's trying to get people to you. The Holy Spirit is not sitting around going, hey, how can, I, how can I get this person so famous? How can I get this person so many Instagram followers? How can I get this person lifted up? No, he's not interested in that. Anytime a person is lifted up, it is only for the purposes of Jesus ultimately being lifted up. And this is what is so toxic sometimes is when a person starts off right using the gifts that God has given them and they're using them for his glory. Then they get lifted up. They start to think that it's them and they forget that it's actually ultimately about Jesus my friends the gifts are not for you and I to puff ourselves up they are for the edification of the body and to exalt our glorious Savior Jesus Christ I had it this way I almost titled the message sweet tea in the cup because gifts are the sweet tea and character is the cup I have seen some churches and been in some churches where there's sweet tea flowing everywhere. But there's no cup. There's no character. There's no order. So the sweet tea is just spilling out all on the ground. And church people are rolling around in it. <laughs> and it's good for church. 
But tell me how the Spirit's going to help me on Tuesday with my marriage. Tell me how, tell me how the Spirit's going to help me on Wednesday with a boss that I can't stand. Tell me how the Spirit's working in my life is going to impact this business that I'm trying to get off the ground. And my friends, when you and I get this cup of character, this cup of godly character, and you're taking the work of the Spirit, and it's being poured into a godly cup, it's being poured into a cup that people want to drink from, I'm telling you, that is a mixture that will bring glory and honor to God that will shake cities and shake nations because people do not just need another religion we've got plenty of options out there what we need to know is there a savior that can break chains open blind eyes bring dead things back to life is there a savior that can do the impossible and i'm letting you know that the same spirit that raised christ from the dead is the spirit that's alive on the inside of you and me this my friends is the spirit of the lord that we're talking about here you don't have to choose between spirit power and Christ-like character. Don't do it. Don't let people. I'm just letting you know, Shoreline City is not a church where we're making that choice. That's not, that's not, but that's not what we're doing. We're not saying, oh, it'd be Holy Spirit empowered or godly character. We're saying both. Both. I want every single thing that the Holy Spirit has for us. I want him to work in us. I want him to change us. I want to have the most life-giving marriages. I want to see single people that have their heads held high, shoulders back. I want to see young people that are fully passionate, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to see marriages that have been marked by the glory and the power of Jesus Christ. I want to see us walking through seasons of suffering, even through tears, but we keep on worshiping anyway. I want to see us be the type of followers of Jesus that come hell or high water, somebody taking our parking parking spot or somebody saying you're going to get burned at the stake we're willing to stand not because we're so good but because the power of the Holy Spirit is alive on the inside of us and we will stand no matter what a uh, number of weeks ago we have this Wednesday uh, it's Wednesday time uh, we call it I guess our midweek message or leadership talk I don't even know what we call it but we do this this little thing for, for everybody who's on a serve team and uh, I'll sit and me or, or one of the other staff will we'll sit and we'll, we'll share a, a leadership thought and this is important to us because it's sent out to everybody who's on the serve team because we're trying to be intentional about making sure we're just giving you know nuggets of truth that pushes all of us forward because we're not interested in staying the same. I'm not interested in staying the same, so I'm assuming you're not interested in staying the same, so we just try to be intentional about making sure we're pushing everybody forward. So a couple of Wednesdays ago, we were starting our, our time of prayer and fasting. This, this scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, I just, I could not get off of the Spirit of the Lord, 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 the Spirit of the Lord. And I was thinking, when Jesus said that, what did it mean? So I put into my little Logos Bible software, the Spirit of the Lord, just that phrase. And there were all these verses that popped up. I started going through every single verse, every single one of them. I could not find a time where the Spirit of the Lord came upon someone and they ran in fear. I could not find one time where the Spirit of the Lord came on somebody and they spoke gossip. I could not find one time where the Spirit of the Lord came on somebody and they embraced offense. 
I cannot, I cannot, I could not find one time where the Spirit of the Lord came on somebody and they were pushed toward doubt. I could not find one time where the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody and they gave up hope. I could not find one time where the Spirit of the Lord came on someone and they became timid and sheepish. As a matter of fact, I saw the exact opposite. I saw the Spirit of the Lord coming on people and people were doing things that were absolutely impossible for them to do in and of their, themselves. I saw the Spirit of the Lord coming on somebody. I saw Samson. The Bible says he had nothing in his hand. His hand was empty but the spirit of the lord came on him and all of a sudden he was able to take a lion and tear it to shreds and i and maybe you feel like there's nothing in your hand there's no money in your hand there's no opportunity in your hand there's no hope in your hand i'm letting you know when the spirit of the lord comes upon you when the spirit of the lord is in you when you have been filled by this holy spirit you may have nothing in your hand but you have everything that you need to be all that god has called you to be and do all that god has called you to do does having the Spirit of the Lord working in our lives make us immune to the sufferings of this world? No. No. Jesus is our example there, friends. He died. So are you. Me too. But he also rose. So will I. And so will you. People betrayed him. They're going to betray you. They're going to betray me. But he came out on the other side. When people left him for half dead, he still got up and kept on walking. Why? He had a life filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord was all over him. And I'm trying to let you know this is your legacy. This who is, is on you. Get plugged into this power source so that you and I can begin to walk and live the type of lives that God has called us to live. How do you know the Spirit is working? Jesus. Christ is exalted. Character is formed and gifts are released. I want you to bow your heads at all of our locations for just a second. If you're under the sound of my voice and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him number one, you've never made him first, you never put him first in your life. But you're under the sound of my voice today, you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore, you want to go his way. You're looking at your life right now. You're saying, man, I'm in, I'm in the driver's seat. I don't want to be in the driver's seat anymore. I want Jesus to be in the driver's seat. I'm going to ask you, on the count of three, to something simple but something ridiculously bold. If you want to respond to the grace of God, you want to respond to this glorious cross of Jesus Christ and surrender your whole heart and your life to Jesus. You want to get off your own path and get on his path. I'm going to ask you to throw your hand in the air at all of our locations and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ for the first time. Or maybe it's time for you to rededicate your life to serving him on the count of three. One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. Friends, in the balcony, in the lobby, on the floor, at Mockingbird, North Dallas, Oak Cliff. You're just saying, yeah, that's me. I want to, put my, I want to give my heart, give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to make him first. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can you lift your heads up at all of our locations? Clap our hands with enthusiasm. Come on, church.